Hi, everybody. Welcome to Don't Ignore the Nudge. This is the place where you get to hear extraordinary stories of ordinary people and how God has nudged them to either do something or not do something in their life and what happened because of it. My name is Corey Freeman, and I just wanted to get these stories out there. I hope you enjoy them as much as I do. So let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Don't Ignore the Nudge. Today, I want to remind you to go to the Facebook group so you can actually watch these episodes and just set up listening to them. So you can go to don'tignorethenudge.com forward slash Facebook. And the F in Facebook is a lowercase F. And you can go in and I think we have about 600 people in there now that actually watch the videos. And you can see little clips of the videos. You can see Sean Lowe from The Bachelor that I just interviewed a few weeks ago. (laughs) And even though the sound, I apologize for the sound. It was on a little bit on both of our ends. I had a wrong setting and he also had some, some challenging acoustics going on. So, but see, if you go to the video on, you know, don't ignore the nudge.com forward slash Facebook, then you can actually see Sean Lowe and then you can kind of, you know, it's easier to hear the the sound when you're watching the person talk. So anyway, today I have the pleasure of interviewing Jeannie Schrader. She actually, we have been talking about doing this for a while, more on my end <laughs> than on hers. Mind me saying, hey, let, you know, let me, let me interview you sometime. But she was actually two out of our three children, sixth grade teacher at this wonderful little, I I called it the little banner bubble. The school was called Banner Elementary. It was a little Christian school here near our town. And it was, we called it the banner bubble because it was just this, you know, every, it was just a beautiful childhood experience in elementary school. And she poured into our kids. And I was so sad to see the third one. Jeannie had unmoved and right before I I was teaser that she couldn't handle the third one. So she had it. skip town. (laughs) But she had our kids doing just the the kind of teacher that not only pours in them spiritually, but also academically. And we had our two children were reading it, like I forgot what grade level, 15th, 16th, whatever they say in sixth grade. And she was able to get them to write college level papers and reports at sixth grade that they ended up using the process in high school and college. So, you know, should every child in America have such a great teacher is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) So, you know, so anyway, so today she has blessed me with her presence and we're going to get this interview going. So we always start off the same way with sharing how you came to know the Lord. And so I will sit back and you can share and I'll probably have questions along the way, even though I know she's a very thorough person, so she probably has, you know, it, it in her mind what she's going to say. So I, well, I'll try not to interrupt too much so you have a flow in your head. Okay. Well, I came from an abusive home and I always had to be the good girl. Survival. That was every day. Just survive. Mm. I was absolutely terrified of my parents. You didn't have an opinion. I wasn't allowed to have an opinion. You're seen and not heard. You, if they say jump, you start jumping. And however, we went to church. Okay. She's doing air quotes just to let you know if you're listening to her good girl and church, she's been using air quotes. (laughs) Because 
we got spit polished. Mm. We polished the shoes, you dressed up, you, my parents sang in the choir. I couldn't understand it. I was like, well, I didn't understand the church thing. I thought, well, it's just like school. I go to school Monday through Friday. And this is the thing to do on Sunday. You go to church. Mm. We didn't pray in my home. We didn't have a Bible in my home. We didn't say grace. So it was very, it was very hard to put the pieces together. But I always had this feeling that I knew God. When I was in fourth grade, we went to the orange show, but we didn't get to go on all the rides or anything. We got to go to the exhibits. <laughs> That's what my mom wanted to do. <laughs> so we were walking through and there was this lady and she was outside like a tent area. And she said, do you want to hear a story? Well, my eyes lit up. I was like, yeah, I want to hear a story. And my mom didn't go in with me. I went in and it like, little did I know at that point, it was Campus Crusade for Christ. Oh and they God. had the construction paper salvation story and I accepted Christ that did your mom know what did when she sent you in for the little story do you think she knew what I don't I don't think so okay I don't think so and so I accepted Christ as my savior and I thought oh my gosh someone loves me that was really important however I didn't have any idea what to do with it I didn't share with my mom because I didn't share anything. Oh. And so kept going to church. And but then I thought, I, what what is this? And it wasn't until we had a couple come to the church, lovely young couple, and they started a youth group. And I began to think, I'm supposed to have a Bible. <laughs> and but I did not ask my parents. I asked my aunt. For oh, a so you must have gotten, you must have picked up on that they weren't okay completely. They were my safe place. They didn't live in the area, but they were a safe place. Wow. And I loved them, you know, and years later they said, I wish we would have known we would have got you out. Oh, that must've been hard. Like on the one hand, so sweet to hear, but that would be so hard to hear too. Yeah. And so she gave me my first Bible. Again, I didn't know what to do with it, but I learned in junior high that, oh my gosh. And, you know, it just blows your mind. And I was studying it, but still struggling with my home life. Yeah. And I didn't share, you didn't share your home life at all to anybody. Mm. And why was I being abused? Why was, you know, I was trying to connect the dots but one of the first Bible verses I learned and memorized was Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with <laughs> I can do this all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Wow. And I clung to that verse. Yeah. That, you know, the Lord would direct my path. Not unto your own understanding is. Right. That mm. right there, because you were trying to understand what was like right going on. The disconnect. Yeah, I wanted to be loved. I didn't want to be abused. I didn't want to be scared. I wanted the love I read in God's word, you know. And so I 
kept going. And again, nobody knew anything. 16, I got my license. And of course, didn't have a car, could only use the car when my mom said I could use the car. (laughs) But she didn't want to go out. So I did all of the banking, the post office, the grocery shopping. Wow. Of that. And there was only one uh, grocery store in Highland years and years ago. And so I went in and Mike, who is actually from Fontana, I feel like God really ordained this. I would have never met him, but there was, he was 17 and he was working behind the meat counter. One of his dad's friends had managed it. So he drove out and that was his job. Well, I went in and I thought, Ooh, he is so cute. (laughs) (laughs) Forget the groceries. Right. So I would always say all, you know, cause us sisters had to share all the duties. I'd Uh say, go to the grocery store. And, um, (laughs) So I kept that summer, kept going to the grocery store. Finally, in August, he was very shy. He got up the nerve to ask me for my phone number and my address. And of course, back then, there's no iPhones or anything. So he gave me a little sheet of paper that from the meat counter with a grease pen. And I wrote how to get to my house, my phone number, and we still have it today. Oh, you do. I wanted, yes. I cannot find the pick, the, the little piece of paper where David and I were, we wrote each other phone numbers. It's like, yes. shoot. I wish I've always looked so, for it. Right. So then I got home and of course I was terrified and told my sister, oh, I gave my phone number out. We're not, we weren't allowed to give our phone number out to anyone. Uh oh. And so I, thought, and you, but you said you were how 16 at this time? Mm hmm. Oh, but we were still not allowed to. We had no friends come over. We mm. weren't allowed to go anywhere. Oh, so isolating. Mm-hmm, very isolated, very naive, very, mm-hmm. you know, good girl. Do what mm-hmm. you're supposed to do. And so my sister said, don't worry, we'll beat her to the phone. So, <laughs> and, you know, it wasn't the it was the phone that hung on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> so she said, we'll just run to the phone. One of us will get the phone. And, you know, it rang and it was Mike. And so he got me. And surprisingly, my mother did not ask how he got my phone number. Oh, oh, I do not know how. And she allowed him to come over. Oh, whoa. Yeah. So he came over. I couldn't go anywhere with him, but he could come over. And he came over every night. And of course, my dad said, doesn't he have a home? (laughs) (laughs) He he will with me later on. (laughs) Yeah. And he, I knew he wasn't saved, but I wasn't going to push him because he had shared with me that a lady had come up and grabbed him by the shirt. You need to be saved and and started yelling at him and everything. And that put him off. Yeah. So I kind of, I knew I would never marry someone that wasn't a Christian. Mm-hmm. So we just kept dating and put, he'd wait outside for me to youth group Aww. for me. And so one day he said, what are you doing in there? And I said, oh, nothing, just praying for you. And then when he, January of 75, he asked me, wow. how do I accept the Lord as my personal savior? Oh. I mean, he didn't know who Moses was. Uh-huh. Yeah, he had never <laughs> heard of all the stories. No, he did not he broke, come yeah. from a home that 
went to church or had any idea of becoming saved. And years later, he did bring his dad to the Lord, which wow. was really exciting. So we dated for three years and young and naive, decided to get married in June of 1977. But before that, when we were dating, Mike opened a whole new world for me. I had never been out of Highland. Um, he took me to the mountains. He took me all over Southern California. He took me to a restaurant. I'd never been to a nice dining restaurant. Oh my goodness. He took me, he brought me flowers and candy. And I had no idea because we never had sweets in the house. None. Oh. No soda, no sweets, no nothing. Wow. And so it was, I mean. That's like a life-changing moment meeting. Uh -huh. wow. Because some of the places I was frightened because of, you know, if there was somebody on the street and it was night, oh. roll up the window, roll up the window, you know. Very fearful. Very fearful. Yeah. And if you're in the mountains, you're not used to going on that windy road. Uh -uh. And uh -uh. If you're not, if you're not familiar with Southern California, where we live, our mountains, our mountains are not like you'd see in like back East, our mountains go straight up. So they're, you know, it's 3000, what are they? 3000. Or five thousand. Oh, they can go up to five thousand. Yeah, mm -hmm. and and the the roads to get up are you go, you know, they can be windy at times and very narrow, and there's a drop off. So I'm sure, like you were probably white knuckling it while yeah, he was, it was driving. I mean, I was just he took me to my first amusement park. Oh God! Yeah, so he just showed me that so there was fun. life out there. And um, so when we got married, you know, of course, I was like, oh, we're going to have this leave it to beaver family. You know, I the one thing that I said I was going to do is that I was going to have a loving home. It's not a house. It's a home. Uh, my home was going to be a godly home and it was going to be a loving home. Mm. And, you know, uh, how naive and young to even think that but you know we loved each other what we thought was love at mm -hmm. 19 and 20 and, and he probably did think that he was also not saving you kind of thing but he was well, saving me yeah but he probably did know that I'm giving her like mm -hmm. so much so many things that she's never been able to do and fun things and going but I, he never knew what went on in the house oh he never asked oh and you didn't want to share uh -uh. yeah yeah uh -uh. wow so that gotcha. never came up. Oh, okay. You know? And he got his first job out of college and it was six days a week, 12 to 14 hours a day. Oh. So, so at that point, you don't really see your husband. <laughs> no. And that left Sunday church. And so little time to build on a marriage. Mm. And, but I figured it'd work out, you know, we love each other. It's going to work out and all would be great. And two years later, we had Matthew, the love of our life and all would be great. We'd raise him in a home. He knew he would be loved. He, he loved the Lord. It would be a godly, godly home. But after a couple of years, Mike was still working that job. You know, when you don't have experience, you have to stay in a job and get that experience mm -hmm. and do the job that needs to be done. And so we began to argue mm. and we didn't realize you bring your baggage with you. When you get married, you bring your past, the way you were raised into a marriage and the dysfunction goes along with it. When mm. you marry, we didn't have anyone to mentor us. I didn't even know what a mentor was. And one fight and argument goes into next fight mm -hmm. and argument 
And usually probably around the same thing as far as all the hours. And you were probably Uh feeling like a single mom at that point. Right. I mean, there's probably a lot of people listening right now that are in that. I know there are, because I know some of them that the wife or the husband is, is really burning the midnight oil at both ends. And the other parent Uh is just, you know, know. and for me, (laughs) and I know many listening out there probably can do the same thing, you know exactly what to say that will put them right over the edge Mm. in an argument. And then you, we were never physically abusive. Thank, I mean, God was gracious, but words hurt to the core. Oh, yeah. And, you know, when you argue, you bring all the baggage and you pack it up in the next argument, you unpack it. Mm -hmm. And so I was still, again, like you say, a single mom almost, and I was in Bible studies and women's Bible studies. And I would see the, and we were in a young people's group at the church and on Sundays. And I would look at all these other young couples and, you know, you hear about, oh, he's going to be the spiritual leader. And he's going to, he's the one that's going to, to, to spiritually lead the wife and the family. And I was like, I, I want that. I want, I wanted Mike to be that. Mm-hmm. And so I would say, you know, I felt like he didn't love me because he didn't want to come home. And he said, well, why should I come home? I can't make you happy. Oh, and yeah. little he stills not knowing my background oh. of feeling unloved. And um, so God is really good because he did know what I needed. Mike was a patient kind, loving, and yes, godly man, Mm -hmm. to have to walk through what I, with me, what Mm -hmm. I Mm am, and so he had no idea, Wow, you know, he was just trying to provide, he was trying to do the best he could and make ends meet, but I didn't see that in him, I just felt he doesn't love me or he'd come home, you know, mm-hmm. and we continued to fight on and off more fighting than good times. So I was sharing with some young ladies from my Bible study about uh, Mike and our marriage. And, you know, I was unhappy and they suggested that, you know, you should get a divorce. You should why do they, because... Why do people always go there first? <laughs> We do. We do, don't we? So many um, people, they just always suggest that at first. And um, you shouldn't have to live like this. And he should be the spiritual leader. And so about that time, I heard a study on Judges 6 and 7, where the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And I'm going to read a little bit for those of you that don't know the story. Uh, For seven years, he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. The condensed version, God plans a rescue with Gideon. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. When God calls Gideon to the oppressors, Gideon comes up with every excuse imaginable. I'm the weakest. I'm the smallest. I'm not sure you're really speaking to me. That's me right here. (laughs) (laughs) I need a sign. And in verse 634, it states the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, which literally means the spirit clothed himself with Gideon. 
Then in verses 38, Gideon says to God, I'm placing a wolf fleece on the threshing floor. If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have promised, if there's dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, I'll know you'll save Israel. This is what happened. However, Gideon's just so like me. Gideon said to God, don't be angry with me. Uh, could you just do one more thing? <laughs> this time make the fleece dry and the ground covered with dew. God's so God, he's so patient with us. <laughs> That night, God did so. The place was dry and the ground covered with dew. Gideon defeats the Midianites with God's power and love. And God continues to use those, those chapters and those verses, as you'll see, through my life. So even though I was considering divorce, because we do listen to our godly women, yeah. I thought, oh, wow, I need to do that. I need to lay my fleece out before the Lord. You know, I'm fighting against Mike. Maybe, you know, I mean, naive and young as I am, um, <laughs> taking that verse a little differently. So <laughs> I got on my knees and I told the Lord, I'm going to lay this fleece out. And, you know, I really, you know, bearing my soul about how Mike is being unkind to me. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, I want to leave and it's been a long time. I've suffered. And I've suffered. Oh yeah. I was saying it all. And um, when you lay the fleece out, prepared, be prepared for the answer because clear as a bell, God speaks right here in this ear all the time. She's pointing to her right ear. I thought it was the left right ear. It's the yes. right ear. I heard him clearly tell me, Jeannie, what kind of wife are you? Do you make it a soft place for him to land when he comes home? How long is long? I'll tell you how long is long. Ooh. I will tell you when and if you leave him. I am your God. Oh, my gosh. So I was very, very. You're listening to him more than the women now. <laughs> so I, I mean, I only had little Matthew, so I'm sure it was the Lord. So that really made me think and look at myself. It, it shook me up and I realized I needed to deal with some things in my life. So when Mike got home, we had a long talk about, okay, we, we need to fix this. We, we clearly love each other. We need to work on how we can work on this marriage. So the first thing we decided to do was to go to counseling, oh, okay. Christian counseling, and we learned how to fight fair. Mm -hmm. And that's a really, really big thing, especially for me, who was not allowed to communicate or anything like that. We learned tools, how to dig with, deal with the baggage in your life brought into the marriage. And I also went to counseling myself okay. to deal with my abusive upbringing mm -hmm. and anxiety and trauma. And I learned it wasn't my fault. That's a, that is the biggest, I mean, you tell me, cause you've talked to probably way more people than I have that have been in that situation. But I feel like that is the biggie that people have the hardest time when they've been through that is they mm -hmm. think it's their fault. Oh yes. Everything. And it doesn't matter if they were two or 10 or mm -hmm. 16, it, it, they still mm -hmm. feel like it's their fault. Mm -hmm. you it takes a long time to get past that part. Oh, even years after my marriage counseling, I was still going 
to counseling to deal with the trauma. And it's, uh, you are programmed that you're no good, mm. you know? So um, it wasn't, and the triggers to deal with the triggers and help Mike deal with the triggers. He learned he couldn't raise his voice to me because mm. in the counseling, he said, well, she runs. Every time I try to tell her something and I raise my voice, she won't listen. She runs. Counselor said, you get it? Do you get it? Don't yell at her. Um, She's been traumatized. Don't yell. If you want to communicate, we can communicate. And so learning all of that, it just was incredible because we didn't have just our marriage. I had my baggage. Right. That right. I had to and, have. you know, even I don't know his upbringing, but let, you know, let's say Mike did hear a raising of the voice when you're saying something mm -hmm. important and where he feels like he's raising his voice, you're hearing yelling. Right. Right. You know? exactly. so the, the he, wasn't, he wasn't screaming. You're no. right. He was just raising it. Yeah. So it took a lot. It wasn't just a happy marriage overnight. <laughs> yeah. It took a lot. Mike learning triggers me having to share part of my past with Mike, you know, it took work by both of us, really listening, praying together, even when we didn't want to, learning to say, I'm sorry, that's a biggie, because you always feel like you're right. Well, wait, I'm right, aren't I? <laughs> oh, so learning to say you're sorry. And one of the tools we learned, we still use it today, that do one thing every day, for your partner that you know will make them happy and they didn't ask you to. Oh, that's neat. Everybody yeah. right now is in the, everybody that's listening, I have thousands of people each month that listen to this thing. And maybe somebody will start doing that and you're going to be changing the world out here too. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh. And it took years letting go of trusting God to build that marriage giving each other grace. That's another big thing mm -hmm. that we tend, we tend to give others grace, but not our partner. And we remind when, did we ever not argue? No, we argue. But like I said before, we learned how to fight fair mm -hmm. and we learned to give each other grace and God, we, we, we were reminded of what God told us. And then God healed our marriage. And I was truly learning what true love was. And I learned I didn't have to be scared. Yeah. Scared anymore. I'm so glad I listened to God's nudge. And after 46 years of marriage, we are each other's everything. And I cannot tell you our marriage and my love for that man is more than I ever imagined it could be. Hey everybody, this is the end of part one of our episode. The second episode will probably be aired next week. If not next week, it will be coming up very shortly. Hope you enjoyed it and we'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.